Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. Today, we're joined by Nick Redman, the author of On The Mic. Nick helps professional voice users explore their vocal potential so they can reach their speaking, recording and performance goals. She's taught voice, voiceover and accents at some of the top drama schools and theatres across the UK and has carried out voiceovers for clients, including the BBC and Tesco. Good morning, Nick. It's great to have you here today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Always happy to chat. Oh, excellent. (laughs) Could you start by talking a little bit about your journey and how you came to be a voice actor and voice coach, please? Yeah, of course. So I started life as as a performer originally. I was doing trend and musical theatre. I was kind of titting about the West End, (laughs) doing bits and bobs, waiting for the moment where I felt wonderfully fulfilled that my childhood dream had come to fruition and it just kind of didn't happen. And around that time, I got asked by somebody somewhere to go to a studio to do a voiceover because I was Irish and they needed somebody Irish. So I kind of pulled along and jumped in the booth and it was just like, ah, it was like this moment for me, this moment of like, this feels good. Nobody cares what I look like. Nobody's telling me I'm too fat or too thin or too tall or too short, too Irish or too bumpy nosed or too short haired or whatever it is. It's just about how I sound. And I find that so incredibly liberating and exciting. So I did what I do, which is like get my metaphorical glasses on, roll my sleeves up and just make that happen. (laughs) So I like researched how to be a voiceover. I got a demo. I like snuck into a couple of networking events and like Irish charmed people into giving me information. (laughs) But I think they call that networking. (laughs) I think they do. Um, I just call it making friends. And I bought some like equipment and I set up a studio. I, I mean, I use the term studio very loosely, by the way. I was like crawling into a room in the edge of my mom and dad's attic. And I just started doing it, got on the blower and told people about it, that it was an Irish, a Northern Irish voiceover with a home studio, which at the time was a pretty rare thing, which was great and worked really well for me. So then I sort of started doing voiceover and that went really well. And then I got a bit just obsessed with voice, really. I mean, I'd done voice training at uni and for my first master's in perform- performing degrees. But all of a sudden, I was just really excited about the potential for the voice on its own as an instrument. So I went back to the drama school I'd done musical theatre at and did another master's in voice coaching, basically. It was called an MA Voice Studies. And it was all about the sort of anatomy and the pedagogy and the skills and the understanding of how the voice works and how to help other people get their voices working well too. And it was just the final piece in a puzzle. And I've sort of been working the rest of it out ever since. I mean, my voiceover journey started nearly 20 years ago and my voice coaching journey started about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. So yeah, here I am now. This is kind of it now. And you've recently published a book on the mic. Yes. Yes, which is the ultimate book for voiceover artists, podcasters, speakers and presenters. Apparently so. <laughs> I've read it and it and it's really fantastic. I love how, oh, it, I mean, I guess I thought it would be drier and you managed to make it really 
entertaining as well at the same time I like how you name the different exercises like slug tongue and I don't know if <laughs> is that a standard thing I, I'm not aware of or is that well, a nick thing <laughs> I, I think it's probably a bit of both a lot of voice training is like very derivative and magpie and we learn from loads of different people so some of them are names that I've come up with over the, over the years or my clients have suggested and some of them are names that have been have come to me from the amazing practitioners I've worked with who are all named and shamed in, <laughs> in the book so yeah they, a lot of them have silly names a lot of them are quite image based I suppose like slug tongue is where you just flop your tongue out on your lower lip like a fat slug like this and then you talk a bit and it really frees up your tongue gives you extra volume and clarity for like minimal input as a speaker but yeah that I'm so glad you find it not dry because that was why my main yeah. kind of focus was trying to write how I coach and when you coach with me it's certainly not dry most of the time <laughs> I'm sure that's true. We one have of, a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. I know one of the things I mentioned to you before that I found so interesting was what you can do to control your breath as someone who doesn't have sort of I, don't, I guess I've not explored this at all and I was talking to a friend who does a lot of videos on Descript and she asks me sometimes what would you like me to put together what do you need to know for editing and I said what can you do about breath sounds what yeah. was editing out breath sounds and when I read your book it was like oh there's actually things you can do to reduce the breath sounds yeah, the breath is, I think, for most voice geeks, one of their favorite topics. Oh, okay. <laughs> In the sense that it's it's at the same time incredibly complex, but also remarkably sim simple. The problem is we as humans kind of get in the way of ourselves when it comes to breathing. You know, we we're born, and this how it says this in the book, we're born like super easy breathing. Babies breathe, mwah, chef's kiss. They're brilliant at it. Babies are just brilliant. They just let it happen because that's how you're designed, right? Your body's designed to breathe for you. But then when we speak and stuff in, in real life, breath just sort of happens when I'm chatting to my mates. I don't have mad noisy in breaths. I don't run out of breath. I just I have a thought. My body takes the breath. I need to get through that thought. And I say that thought. And sometimes that thought goes on for four and a half minutes. But I still just take the breaths when I need to, right? Like it's no big deal. And then sometimes, you know, we get a microphone put in front of us and all of a sudden we get a bit nervous. We get a bit tense. We're thinking about what we're saying. We're thinking about the message. We're thinking about the scary guest or the exciting guest. We're thinking about the big audience in front of us. Maybe if it's a live app, you know, we're thinking about all these things and that creates tension. And one of the main things to get sort of to get affected first when it comes to nerves and adrenaline and all that stuff in a mic environment is your breath. You know, we start to hold it. We start to, it starts to get quite high in the chest. Tension comes in the vocal tract, which is the area through which the voice travels. And then the voice, the breaths get a bit noisy, maybe like a bit gaspy, or you find yourself breathing loads when you really don't need to. And then weirdly, even though you've breathed loads, you feel out of breath. Like it's all a bit strange. So what actually happens is we, we get in the way of ourselves a little bit and we start to forget that our body has all of the instincts and the processes it needs to help us breathe easily and quietly and, and with minimal issues. <laughs> so it's the mic's fault, really. Let's blame the mic. <laughs> no, it makes I sense love, when, you, you really. <laughs> when you explain it like that. It makes a lot of sense. It's just, you know, I guess we don't always think about it. So you've done quite a few podcast interviews, haven't you? Yeah. And I saw on your website you have a warm-up for podcast guests. Yeah, so... 
I have a warm up that I put together. I was sitting on a panel talking about voice for podcasters at a conference. And of course, I needed like a little freebie or something. That's the classic business thing, isn't it? Like a lead magnet for anybody who saw that was interested. So I just put together a little video. It's about five to seven minutes, I think. You can have the audio version or the video version. And it's just a few nice little exercises for you to get your voice feeling easy and free, expressive, clear, all those things that you need to speak with ease. Excellent. I'll put a link to that in the show notes afterwards. That might be very helpful. What do you tend to do to prepare for a cast appearance or a voiceover? So, yeah, I think they're probably similar in some ways, but different in others. Mm -hmm. And in voiceover, you get a lot of different environments, as you do with podcasting, I suppose. So with voiceover, for example... Sometimes I record a lot on my own. You know, the scripts get sent to me, I bang them out, I send them back, job's done. Sometimes you get a client dialing in from somewhere glamorous or somewhere less glamorous to listen or direct. In those directed environments, I tend to focus my warm-ups a little bit more on breath and tension release because those are the things that get affected when I know somebody else is involved. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years, but I still get nervous and I still get that adrenaline response. So I work a lot on like releasing tongue tension, releasing my shoulders and my neck, focusing on the out breath to really settle my nerves and my adrenaline and take a moment to remind myself that I got this, like it's going to be okay. Uh, That's what I do for live stuff. And that probably translates to podcasts as well. So I'll sit here you know, before talking to you, apart from getting my cup of tea, so I keep clinking my teacup. <laughs> teacup. It's a mug. Who do I think I am? So, yeah, cheers. <laughs> I'll sit with my feet on the floor. I'll, you know, feel my bum on the chair. I'll make sure I'm comfy. I check my environment. So I'll make sure my mic is in a useful position. Decide what's going on with headphones. Make sure I've got my water. And then I just sit and allow, you know, my spine to lengthen, my shoulders to release. I do some shoulder rolls. I stretch my neck. I release my jaw. I do some exercises that get the vocal folds vibrating, like a gentle glide up and down my range on a TH sound or a puffy whoa, like or encourages nice airflow and vocal fold closure and also looks ridiculous. So there's your Instagram content. <laughs> Loads of screenshots of me just looking like a complete mad agent with my tongue out. <laughs> so all those kinds of things. But the, the main process for me with any prep for speaking on the mic is four step process. And that's what I talk about in the book. It's about the body. So awareness of your body, release any tension that might get in the way of the speaking process, which weirdly is like nearly everybody, your body, but, you know, focusing on the hips and the ribs, the spine, the shoulders, and then uh, it moves on to the breath. So a few wee exercises to let your breath go, remind yourself to let the breath out, because if you breathe out, your body will breathe in. That's how it's designed. And then a few exercises in breath just to engage with the breath support and make sure there's a nice consistent airflow. So body into breath then sound and that's the vocal folds themselves vibrating that's where we make the sound so that's about yeah getting mobility of the vocal folds and the larynx and just working on range and expression and variety all those please help me i sound monotone quandaries and then body breath sound final bit is speech and that's the shaping of the sound it's like a four-step process and the shaping is all about making sure you've got clarity, making sure all the sounds that you make in your particular beautiful accent are coming out as easily as they need to. That's very good. I hadn't thought about the importance of sort of stretching everything until I read your book and mm. touching your tongue on your teeth and the things like that that you, that you go through a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I've been, I've been trying to incorporate oh, well it now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think a lot of people with voice warm-ups who have no understanding or experience or exposure to the fact that it exists as a concept, you know, their first go-to is tongue twisters. People will just do a few tongue twisters and that'll be the end of it. And actually, tongue twisters are almost the final piece of the puzzle. You know, it's all about you got to prepep. I was like prep and prepare <laughs> at the same time. Okay, let's go with it. Prepep the vessel, which is yeah. your body. Then you've got to get the fuel, which is the air, the breath. Mm -hmm. And then the source, which is like the sound, so the vocal folds. And then once that sound's created, that's when we shape it into something that's coherent. And yeah. that's why the stretching of the articulators is really useful. Just like you would, I always use sports analogies and I really don't do many sports, but before you run a marathon, you're going to do some stretching so that your legs work easier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and same with voice. You know, you stretch your tongue, your jaw, your lips so that they move easier and so that they get the sounds that you need to make out in like the easiest way possible. Voice coaching is basically about making speaking in the way that you need to. Simple and easy. I'd also not thought so much about how you can maybe change your voice, the tone and and that kind of thing. I thought you were stuck with what you had, how you spoke. Hadn't thought about how you could do different exercises to perhaps make it resonate more. So I found that really interesting. That's good. Yeah, it's a balance for me because I am I'm not like an old school elocution speech coach in the sense that you're not going to come to me and I'm going, well, we need to lose that accent, darling, and we can't have you talking like that. And you're too squeaky <laughs> and you're too quiet and you're too loud. Like I'm not somebody that's going to change your voice in that way. But what I am here to show you is that there can be a change in how your voice is made and how it comes out. So it feels easier and it feels more comfortable and that it does the job you need it to do in a much more easy way. Because I think a lot of people who guest on podcasts or who do their own podcasts, they get stuck worrying about how they sound and then that gets in the way of the message. So my whole MO at the moment, particularly with podcast guesting, speaking in the press, all that kind of the stu of stuff, is making sure that you have a few simple, easy exercises that you can do that help you settle the nerves, free everything up so that when you're out there, you don't have to worry about tripping up over your words because you're nervous or because it's a really high stakes environment or that you're very passionate about what you've got to say. It's about making sure that the work is done and you don't need to worry about how you sound because it will come out how you want it to. What do you think about ums and ahs? Is that something we should be trying to produce? I think people get really hung up on it. But again, mm. I think that's because people are worrying about the wrong thing. There's this weird sort of idea, I think, that if you're on a show, like if you're a guest on a podcast or you're an expert on a sofa, on the news or whatever it is you're doing, that you have to like be perfect and that your speech has to come out in this really perfect, informed way. The reason you're being brought on to speak about something is because you're passionate and informed about something, right? When you're passionate about something, sometimes you trip up over your words. Sometimes it comes out too fast. Sometimes it comes out too long or the thoughts are too long. Like that's just how it happens. And I think as humans, we're really used to hearing and processing flawed communication. That's how our entire lives exist. My husband can't finish a sentence like he starts a sentence six times and then eventually finishes it. And it's like 25 minutes later. I'm like, right. So what you're saying is you want some toast like it's, it's ridiculous. So I think I think there's a balance in all of this. Yeah. 
And for me, the ums and the ahs come down to a couple of things. The first thing is, if it's happening so much that it's distracting you and you're worrying about it, and the people you talk to are worrying about it, or maybe you get loads of comments on it, then you do need to reflect on why they're happening. They happen, like ums are speech, are like thinking noises, basically. Ums and ahs are us processing what's going to happen next, what we're going to say, how we're going to respond. In an interview situation, you may need to um and ah a bit because you might be thinking. And if you're in an environment where we have been conditioned to freak out that someone's going to interrupt us, that's why we put them in. Hello, everybody, of course, but particularly ladies in particular environments, right? You know, oftentimes we get interrupted. And more so these days across the entire gender spectrum because our attention spans are so much shorter these days. We do kind of dive in on top of each other all the time. So the thinking sounds. Now, if you have to um and ask so much to think about what's coming next, that it's getting in the way, I would argue that potentially you don't know the topic enough and that you mm. really need to reflect on what you're talking about, whether you're ginned up enough and what you've got to say, basically. So that's one thing. It's a bit of a harsh one, but, you know, progress and development is not always easy. <laughs> if I'm ever in a situation where I'm on loads because I'm not prepared or it's on the fly, maybe it's because I feel a bit uncomfortable or a bit threatened or whatever that is. And that's a different thing. But again, there are ways to get through that. One of the solutions to ums and ahs is replacing it with something else, right? Because if it is a thinking noise, which it is, and you need to think, <laughs> that's totally fine. So you can either own the fact that you need a minute and say something about it. Like, I'm just going to think about that for a moment. Hang on. And then breathe in and out and then speak. Or not referencing it because some people think that's weird and maybe don't have the confidence to do that. And that's totally fine. Just breathe out. Because most of the time when we think, we hold our breath. And it's interesting if you're listening to this, notice during the day when you're thinking about something, do you breathe? Oh, I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll drive you mad. Because what happens is the thought is formed on the when the breath comes in because we're ready to say the thought, right? So the thought starts to percolate and it starts to process. And then our body goes, right, I know what I'm going to say. Then you let the breath in to fuel the thought. And then out comes the thought. It's called inspiration. Like the in-breath is called the inspiration. That's like inspirare, that's the Latin root. Like it's cool, isn't it? So you have to allow time for that to happen. So if you're filling your thinking time with ums and ahs and wells and likes, and mm -mm, then there's an argument to say that you're not going to find your thought as quickly as you might. So the best thing to do is replace it with an out breath and then just wait. Allow your thought time to form, let the breath in and away you go. I'm going to try that. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's really interesting. Like we hold our breaths and our breaths in loads of different situations. I heard a term recently, email apnea, where you like hold your breath when you're checking your emails. And I really do. I really do. So now every time I do emails, I'm like tippity tap tap tap. Tippity tap. <laughs> Try not to hold my breath. Things you don't even realize that you yeah. do. Like I wouldn't have a clue when you've said that. But I'm going to I'm going to think about it. Now. And that's one of the things about voice is that most people are a completely unaware that there are easy things they can do to make it better for themselves or be not aware of how their voice feels or actually turns out it is kind of effortful to speak and maybe I need to look into that or 
oh, I am a bit noisy with my in-breaths, there might be something to do. So one of the things I focus on a lot in the book and also in my course that's coming up is awareness, like awareness of your instrument, because you can't improve anything until you know where the heck you're starting from. <laughs> that's so right. Can you talk a little bit about your program? Yeah, with pleasure. The vocal empowerment programs. <laughs> This is always a clunky bit, isn't it? Yeah. It's, so basically, I do this six-week online course, and it's so great. It's called the Vocal Empowerment Program. And it's for anybody who feels like they would want a little bit more understanding, awareness, and control over their speaking voice in any kind of situation. So we work through that four-step process of the body, the breath, the sound, the speech. We raise your awareness of where you are right now, like what's happening with your body, where do you hold your tensions, how is your alignment, your posture and all that kind of stuff. Then we think about breath, noticing where you might hold your breath, how you can release it more, how you can get a nice consistent airflow so that you don't have those shaky nerves in the voice or anything like that. And so that you run out of breath a little bit less if you've got those big long sentences. And then we work through sound and that's all about variety and understanding the incredible potential that you have to make all these amazing sounds in your voice. And then we do speech, which at the end is the shaping of everything. And the final bit of the course is basically me making sure that you almost can be your own voice coach in the sense that you've got all the tools and the exercises and the awareness in this big box. And you can piece it all together into warm ups, vocal resets for long days, vocal cool downs for when you're finished, quick things to do before you have to hop on the mic to go live or be interviewed. And also longer, more progressive stuff you can do to holistically support your voice in the background. So that's breath and body and things. And also a load of like, ah, vocal health crisis management so like i've got a cold what do i do my hair fever is awful but i've got a record what do i do all those kind of stuff as well so it's basically me putting you in the driving seat of how to look after your voice and you can book on not <laughs> i was just gonna say do you have a start date yeah this time it's starting on the 9th of may and we do three weeks then we have one week off and then we have three weeks and it's two sessions a week live with me and loads of other nice things around it Oh, that sounds brilliant for anyone involved in any voice work. I'll make sure, again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thanks. And can you talk about your setup? One last thing, because you've got a great home yeah. studio there. Sure. I'm very lucky. I live in the country and the only neighbours we have are sheep and birds. So there's not much noise. So I have a quiet corner in my office with these are vocal booth to go producer's choice blankets They're treated blankets that have basically for sound for sound proofing you need mass air mass right right you need like something solid then air and then something solid that's how booths work like purpose-built booths work these are sound treated in the sense that they're nice and soft but they have a little bit of that mass air mass technology on the inside which is all i need where i live because there's no noise <laughs> Really, I like I said, apart from well, at the moment it's lambing season, so it is pretty noisy. There's lambs <laughs> everywhere, but yes, yeah, so we have these which help make the space nice and dead. Because the truth of a, a recording environment is, you can have the best feckin' mic in the world, but if you put it in a room with a load of bounce, it's going to sound horrific for podcasting in that intimate voice situation. So that's what I have. And then I have a microphone, pretty standard Rode microphone. Into I'm turning away from it now. Into a Focusrite Scarlett interface. And then that goes into my computer. And then my cans at the moment are 
DT770s. The nice mm-hmm. ones with the velour, velour covers. The lady is. <laughs> I don't wear them that much, to be honest. But I couldn't find my earbuds. I, I prefer to record with my, mic- my headphones off because I don't like listening to myself all the time. Yeah, I do. Like I do. I'm used to it. But I mean, when it's a chat like this or when I'm doing something that's conversational read or I'm doing my podcast, hearing yourself is like step one to self-editing and monitoring. And it's just the worst thing ever for your vocal freedom and stuff. So yeah, don't, you wear them, don't wear them that much. I just feel a bit like, hey, look at me with my big headphones. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you see people on the bus and they've got massive headphones on because they're really into their music. Yes. And <laughs> I think I it's like. a trendy thing now, isn't it? I see young people like walking around yeah. like, wearing them and yeah, rather than massive. Like, Makes my neck a bit tense. Like these are great mm-hmm. headphones, but like, yeah, I'd rather have nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You sound so clear. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would be worried if it wasn't. <laughs> it would, it would, totally. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your knowledge and your expertise. You. It's been great to chat with you. Lovely to chat with you too. I'll wax lyrical for days about this. Yeah, and if anyone's interested in the course, the link is bit.ly forward slash empower my voice. Is there anywhere else you'd like listeners to go to connect with you? I'm on Instagram at mm-hmm. Nick Red Voice. And if you want my book, it's on themicbook.com. Okay, I'll make sure I put links so people can find you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode. <laughs>